Greetings to you all. It's always such a privilege preaching the Word of God. I don't take it for granted and I am really looking forward to seeing many of you once again on the 15th of November. Yes, the time has come where we'll be resuming our Sunday services. We'll be meeting at the Royal Elephant. We've been announcing it. You can see the details of that particular service on our website. It will be a family service. It will be a combined service with uh, Jumberg and Centurion all together. And we'll have a powerful time of worship, a powerful time of intercession and the word and fellowship. And I want to encourage you, those of you who can come, please do come. Uh, there's power in getting together. There's power in the agreement uh, that is produced when we get together in uh, God's presence. And those of you who can't be with us, maybe you're in a high-risk type of situation, we will still be continuing with our uh, program, our sermons online, just like this. So you won't miss out on the word. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for the testimonies that are starting to come forth. We thank you, God, that there's a spirit of understanding, a spirit of wisdom that is being activated in your people. And we thank you, God, that faith is arising. Thank you, Father, that you've called us to heal, heal the sick. And we open our hearts to more of this. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So um, today, what I'm going to be sharing with you is a very significant message. And I've entitled it, Why People Get Sick. Why People Get Sick. And uh, we'll look at part one today. And next week, we'll look at part two. I'm going to share with you why people get sick. And here's the principle. When we understand how something came about, it helps us to find the solution. It's also important that we accurately diagnose sickness so that we can give it the correct remedy. You know, uh, many of you, many of us have lost loved ones, not because they didn't receive any medication, but they were misdiagnosed and got the wrong medication. You see, so it's really important for us to have an accurate diagnosis so that we know how to deal with these things. Later on in the series, I'll be talking to you about the different methods when it comes to healing the sick, because there are different methods. And so you will see that sometimes the method and what we actually do in our methodology is influenced by the root cause of the sickness. And I'll show you that strongly in the word of God. So if you think something requires medicine, yet the root cause is demonic, for example, okay, you'll probably miss out on the complete healing because of how you've actually diagnosed it. So let's go straight into it. Here are some reasons, and I want to make mention, make mention of three major ones today, okay? Here are some reasons why people get sick. These are some common sources of illness. And the first one I want to highlight is dietary and lifestyle. Dietary and lifestyle. What we eat, okay, our nutrition and how we live our lives. And this is quite a big deal, isn't it? You see, people tend to break universal health laws. Just the way God created the universe. There's certain laws he embedded in our universe, okay? And so we do so in ignorance. A lot of times it's in, it's in ignorance. But how many feel that ignorance is not bliss? Okay, so we need to educate ourselves concerning these things. Sometimes it's due to lack of self-discipline. We know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. Okay, we just don't have that discipline. And on other occasions, it's actually willfully in rebellion. 
We know what we're supposed to do, but we refuse to do it. We refuse to do it. Now, here's the interesting thing about God. Although God was the divine healer in the Old Testament, so he loved to heal his people, he still gave them laws that would help his children to prevent disease. Isn't that amazing? And that's the principle of stewardship. It's the principle of stewardship. For example, when it comes to our finances, the Lord loves to bless us with financial miracles. But you know what? He, he wants us to live a lifestyle where we're actually good stewards of our finances. So it's the same with our health. He loves to heal us and is gracious enough and merciful enough to heal us when we're sick. But first prize for him is that we don't get sick in the first place. And I find it so fascinating and interesting that uh, with the children of Israel, with his people, he actually gave them laws that will protect them from sickness and disease. You know, sometimes when we look at those laws, we think they're just random laws. Uh, some people even think that they were laws given to the children of Israel to actually punish them. That's why they had all those rules and regulations. But when we actually unpack them, we actually see that, you know what, if you look at modern day science and if you look at some of those laws they were given, their dietary laws, the sanitation laws, their hygiene laws, you actually realize that God knew what he was doing. Because it's interesting to me that the nations around them weren't practicing those same laws. They didn't have those same rules around what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. So he was literally wanting to show off his people, to show that, you know what, if you guys eat like this, if you guys um, have this type of hygiene when it comes to your health, this type of sanitation, you know what, if you avoid touching this and touching that, you will be much healthier than the nations around you. And I want to show you off as my people. That's, that is his mindset. So although God was the divine healer in the Old Testament, he still gave them these laws that will actually help his children to prevent disease. Now, if he did that with them, surely it's the same for us. Surely he wants us to be good stewards of our bodies, to understand what's good for us, what's not good for us, to have, to have self-control so that we don't get sick in the first place, okay? So he expects us to be good stewards of our bodies. The scientific wisdom behind the biblical dietary laws is very clear, yet it's seldom taught today. You see, uh, many people see these laws as merely Old Testament regulations that are no longer applicable, right? But if you look at uh, Edmund's handbook of the Bible, uh, he comments like this. These lists of clean and unclean creatures have a significance often ignored. Far from being based on fad or fancy, these lists emphasize a fact not discovered until late in the last century that animals carry diseases dangerous to man, okay? And when you study this further, you see that um, a lot of the clean meat that they could actually eat, um, it was meat of animals that would feed on grain um, and grasses, etc., okay? As opposed to the carnivores. Very interesting. In fact, the same animals labeled unclean in scripture still carry parasitic diseases that are dangerous to human beings today. And we can talk about that for a very long time. But um, sometimes some of the things we're eating uh, aren't that aren't great for us, uh, we see them mentioned in scripture as unclean, <laughs> okay? Um, the Bible contains rich medical information around themes such as sexual relations, dietary guidelines, hygiene, sanitation, okay, which is not at odds but in harmony with the modern medicine. 
And I think that's that's so cool. Um, the Old Testament laws were very valuable in the area of public health. These laws protected Israel from bad diet, you know, dangerous vermin, uh, communicable diseases. You know, some of you who are studying uh, about diseases and uh, medicine and that kind of thing, it will be so interesting for you just looking at the spread of diseases today and just studying the Old Testament and seeing some of those particular laws. I think you'll find it very interesting. So the laws were not borrowed from the nations around them. Okay, it, and that's clear. They, the nations around them didn't practice those things. So it's clear that God the healer was also God the preventer of disease. That's how I like to put it. God the healer was also God the preventer of disease. And we want to have a similar mindset. God explained to the Israelites that if they obeyed his commandments, they would experience, in verse commas, none of these diseases that plagued other nations. And we see that in Exodus 15, verse 26. So God gave these laws to his chosen people so that they could be an example to the world. God wanted their better health to be noticed by surrounding nations who could then inquire how, how they too could also gain the same results. Okay, so <clears throat> I like what uh, Haley's Bible handbook states. Moses's law right, including its health and food regulations, was for purer, more rational, humane, and democratic. It was, it was far more pure, rational, humane, and democratic, and showed a wisdom far in advance of anything in ancient legislation, Babylonian, uh, Egyptian, or any other. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so here's the thing. We have many sicknesses today, that were not prevalent in Bible times simply because of our lifestyle. Okay, today many people are living sedentary lifestyles, not exercising, for example. Years ago, people were accustomed to walking long distances. Okay, um, they didn't have the fancy vehicles we have today, so a normal thing for them was hey, you know, you want to go somewhere, just walk. Okay, uh, in Bible times, people ate healthier um, as most of their foods were consumed in their original state, weren't they? Okay, not uh, processed like we do today. Okay, so in addition to that, they were also guided by the laws that God gave them. So food uh, that was considered unclean tended to be unhealthy anyway. God did not want them to get sick in the first place. And it's the same for you. Now, I know some people, their stance is, no, it's fine. You know, don't be legalistic. Just eat anything. It's okay. You know, God will heal you. It doesn't work like that. I believe that the picture we see in scripture is a picture of stewardship. And I'm not talking about going on extremes. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about saying to yourself, you know what, what am I pouring into myself? What am I pouring into myself? Because it does have consequences. If my car takes low sulfur diesel, which it does, okay, and then uh, I, I need to stick to it. If I start pouring other things, other types of fuel into my vehicle or um, less refined diesel into my, my car, I'll have problems. I'll be continuously taking it to get service, to get fixed. Now, it's the same. It's the same reality with our physical bodies. In Leviticus 7, 23 to 27, say to the Israelites, do not eat any of the fat of cattle, sheep or goats. This is very powerful. Don't, don't let the enemy rob you of what I'm speaking to you now, because this is the word of God. Say to the Israelites, do not eat any of the fat of cattle, sheep, or goats. Okay, um, The fat of an animal found dead 
or torn by wild animals may be used for any other purposes, but you must not eat it. Now, this was not just a rule being put there so that they've got many rules, okay? This is a rule being put there to actually save them from many diseases. And we know today that these high-fat diets aren't great for us. Anyone who eats the fat of an animal from which a food offering may be presented to the Lord must be cut off from their people. And wherever you live, you must not eat the blood of any bird or animal. Anyone who eats blood must be cut off from their people. Now, one of the most significant discoveries in the last century was that high-fat diets are linked to increased levels of heart disease, stroke, um, cancer, cancer of the colon and cancer of the breast, and a whole host of other pathologies, including obesity, okay, that bring additional complications. So we know that. Now, when there's low self-control, and your God is your belly. The Bible speaks of how their God is their belly, right? You will experience the consequences. In Philippians 3, uh, verse 19, it says, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. I'm amazed how some people get so excited about food. I'm not saying you mustn't like food or like certain tastes and so on. I'm not saying your taste buds shouldn't be great. I'm not saying that. But the point I'm making is some people get more excited about food than worshiping the Lord, you know, having a time just singing songs of praise to God or getting into the word of God. Sometimes uh, you can see that there are a lot of people who live from their flesh. Okay, that's, they're literally driven by that and they get so excited about it and it actually becomes their God. So you say to people, you know, this is not good for you. Cut down on this. But they literally can't because they're addicted to it now. Okay, these are things where we need to actually do some introspection and say, am I asking God to be delivered, to be free from sickness, but not wanting to change my lifestyle? Am I that person who can't imagine never eating that food again or only eating it in small amounts? Okay, let's get educated on this. And what I'm sharing with you now, I'm just giving you highlights so that we see that this is one of the main reasons why people get sick. I'm actually going to get my wife to do a complete health seminar for us so that we are faithful stewards concerning our bodies and we're not in ignorance with regards to that. Okay. Um, if I continuously remain closed, for example, I know of myself, but if I've gone for a run and I continuously remain closed in sweaty, um, you know, and I sweat a lot when I'm running, uh, if, I, if, I, if I'm wearing those sweaty, damp clothes for a long time afterwards, I mustn't be surprised if I get the sniffles. Okay, I mustn't be surprised if I start feeling uh, fluey afterwards. I know that I need to stay warm. I need to go and have a nice warm shower afterwards and keep warm. Okay, so there are those universal laws that we often break and then we're surprised. Oh, why am I feeling this way? Okay, now I've out outlined uh, for you, uh, those of you who go through the notes, um, three major contemporary lifestyle reasons why we keep getting sick. And I want to just, uh, I want to share those with you. The first one, so there are many, but I want to just give you three. The first one is psychosomatic illnesses, okay? Now, psychosomatic illness, as many of you would know, is a physical illness or another condition that's caused or aggravated by a mental factor. For example, conflict or stress. So very often when we're feeling stressed out, 
It res- it, we see it in our physical bodies. And we live in a society today that's uh, very high stress, isn't it? Okay, so these are things for us to think about. Now, one of those psychosomatic illnesses I want to highlight that we often don't think about is actually loneliness. Loneliness. You know that it's been found, research has found that feelings of loneliness affect our bodies at a genetic level. We increase in, um, in pro-inflammatory genes and we decrease the genes that produce antibodies and immunity. Okay, It's actually been found that maintaining social uh, connections with people helps your health. It boosts your immune system. Okay, The simple act of hugging lowers stress and boosts your immune system. Now, the Bible is very clear and says in Psalm 68, verses 5 to 6, uh, I'm reading from the Berean Study Bible, uh, describing God, is a father of the fatherless and a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the lonely in families. So God has got a solution for those who are feeling lonely. Are you feeling lonely right now? God wants you to be in fellowship. God wants you to be in fellowship. God wants you to be in close uh, proximity with other believers. Okay, yes, there's social distancing and everything, but are you interacting with other believers? Are you praying together with other believers? That, that's why I think it's so, so powerful when scripture actually instructs us around these things. It says, He leads the prisoners out to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a sun scorched um, land. In Hebrews 10, 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So have you noticed that when you stop meeting as believers, it becomes a habit. And that's why for some of you, when we're now resuming our uh, services and getting together and fellowshipping and so on, for, for, for many people, it's going to be very difficult because they've fallen out of that particular habit. I want to encourage you, if you're that person who's like, oh, so, so easy, I'm just in bed in my PJs, you know, just watching the message, because it is easier. Okay, if you're in that space, ask God for the grace to help you to get up and to actually meet with other believers. Okay, I've said to you already, those of you who run small groups, resume them. It's time to resume. Get going again. I know a couple of them are starting up again and we'll make that announcement. So loneliness literally affects people's health. Uh, The other thing I was talking about was stress. Stress weakens your immune system. Right? And I think this is quite a well-known fact. Your brain produces the stress hormone, cortisol, right? when you're feeling stressed out. And it actually impairs your T-cells. Okay? And that's a component of um, the blood which fights infection. Right? Um, so stress actually affects us. We end up not as strong when it comes to fighting the infections that try to, try to harm us. In Philippians 4, uh, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. Now, why is Paul saying this, right? Philippians, he wrote it while he was in prison. It's one of the prison epistles, but he's challenging us. Do not be anxious about anything. You know, often when people are feeling stressed out and and you want them to just chill out and so on, and they're like, no, I must be worried, actually. And they want everyone to worry with them. I'm telling you right now, stress, fear, anxiety, it's infectious. When you're around anxious people, sometimes you end up feeling it yourself. And that's why we need to we need to guard our hearts. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, what should we do? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's a whole revelation there around thanksgiving. And the peace of God. So why does the peace of God end up coming upon us? Well, it's when we actually take up our prayers to the Lord. 
right? And we see him as our source and we do it whilst we're also giving thanks, not just for the past, not just for what he's done for us in the past, not just for what he's doing right now in the present, but also for those very requests we are making, for what he's going to do in the future. We, we're in a mode of thanksgiving. The result is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And what happens when you have that supernatural peace? I'm telling you right now, it affects your physical health, right? Um, will guard your hearts. We, our hearts are guarded by his peace, right? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So psychosomatic illnesses come from an unguarded heart and mind. Simple as that, okay? An unguarded heart and mind. It's so important that our souls are sanctified, our minds, our wills, our emotions, our intellect, our imaginations, okay? And it's important that we guard them. In Matthew 6, verses 25 to 27, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Some of you worry too much. What you will eat, some of you worry too much about what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body. How many of you worry about your body? It'll, I'm telling you, if you keep worrying about your body, you, it's a way of cursing your body. I'm telling you that right now. You are you you're worrying so much about your physical body, right? And you end up in, in you end up harming your body because it causes sickness in your body. Often when I'm counseling people, I say, bless your body, bless your body parts, speak well of them, declare good things about them. Say, Lord, I thank you for my hands. Lord, I thank you for my feet. Lord, I thank you for my lips. I thank you for the eyes you've given me, even the parts you don't like. I'm telling you that right now. Do not worry about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food. Some people need to hear this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Right? So there are levels of value from God's perspective. We're more valuable than animals. Okay? Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So Jesus, back in the day, was dealing with the stress the people were experiencing. And I'm sure um, he would have to deal with it if he was here today talking to us. Right? Um, and that's why we're teaching concerning these things. So that's the first category of um, lifestyle uh, sicknesses and, and diseases that I want to talk about, the psychosomatic ones. The second one is actually failure to wash our hands. You know, I've just been reflecting. I was talking to my older brother, David, some time ago, and he's in Zim. And he was saying, you know, one of the positives that has come through as a result of um, uh, covid and uh, all these restrictions, etc. He says, the shops are cleaner. You know, people are more conscious about hygiene. And what I realized as I was studying this is that a lot of what we're doing during this, uh, these periods, these lockdown periods and uh, social distancing, etc. A lot of the actual practices, especially around hygiene, are things we actually need to continue doing um, post-corona. If I can put it that way. You know that 95% of us don't wash our hands well enough to kill bacteria. That's what research has found. You know, we should actually be washing our hands vigorously with soap for 15 to 20 seconds. How many people do you know who do that? It's been found that only 5% of people out there uh, do so for more than 15 seconds. So there are many people who don't wash their hands. And then those who wash their hands don't do it properly. 
Okay, uh, in an American society study, they found that um, when it came to using public restrooms, 83% of women would wash their hands afterwards and 74% of men would do, would do the same, would wash their hands. Okay, now from my experience, what I've observed uh, here in South Africa, I think the percentages are less. I still remember being in some uh, public restroom quite recently and you know when it's really smelling really stinking where you think like okay i think someone is not feeling well here you know then i see this dude just getting out of um you know the the, the toilets and i'm thinking he's going to come to the sink and start washing his hands and he just you know goes straight out so um that behavior needs to change you know that the freezer section was found the freezer section of a superstore held 33,340 bacteria colonies per square inch Per square inch, people, okay, that's a thousand times the bacteria found on an average cell phone, okay? So even post-corona, let's keep sanitizing, I think. And I know there's some people who are saying, amen, 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 because we've got a couple of people in our church that are big on, you know, like anti-germ things and so on, a couple of ladies I know. Uh, but but we need to take heed. And if you could see the bacteria, we wouldn't. You wouldn't do certain things. Okay. The third um, lifestyle thing I want to talk about is lack of sleep. You know, when you sleep, your body repairs and recharges. You experience restocking of various disease-fighting cells and antibodies. This is why people often feel run down and hit by viruses when they lack sleep. You know, um, some of us think we can just keep going, keep going, keep going because we feel like we don't need that much sleep, but we don't realize what our body is actually doing. And I've seen that when I shifted um, my sleep patterns and started sleeping more, making sure I go to bed early so I can wake up early and so on and getting enough sleep, I started realizing that it actually impacted my health. I was healthier. I was also sharper mentally. Some of you have become so used to your lack of sleep that you, you, know, you move around throughout the day like, like you're a zombie, you know, and you're on that personal go slow. But you've actually become accustomed to that. That's become the norm for you. And that's something to also um, watch out for. Now, now, here's the thing. There are other things in our lifestyle that I'm not going to be focusing on, right, uh, that aren't useful. For example, lack of exercise, too much sugar, being overweight, lack of water intake, right? And um, if you go to the notes, you'll see some links I've put there where you can do further studies of this. But ignorance is not bliss. And uh, the important point I really wanted to reinforce is that the reason why a lot of us keep getting sick is because of um, our diet, what we eat and don't eat. And it's also because of our lifestyle. Okay, I wanted to give you those, those highlights. At a certain point, we'll get my wife to do a full health seminar for us so that we're faithful stewards of the bodies that the Lord has given us. The, the second reason I want to highlight why people get sick, demonic spirits, demons, okay, demons. You see, the disciples did not intercede, in inverted commas, for healing. They commanded spirits of infirmity to leave. That's what they often did. Or they instructed the person to do something they could not do before. You know, uh, get up and walk, you know, pick up your mat and go, right? Um, uh, John G. Lake was greatly used in healing. He was the founder of AFM. And when he traveled from the United States and spent some years here in South Africa and did amazing miracles, okay, God did amazing miracles through John G. Lake, he actually wrote a letter back to the United States 
because people were wondering how come you're getting all these results and if you guys can read his biography please just grab a hold of it it just it just ignites faith when you read up on how god used some of these people your john g lakes your smith wigglesworth and so on and what is so powerful was he wrote back to the guys and said you know what we've seen a shift taking place in the number of people being healed as we have stopped spending hours and hours interceding for people right for their healing and and we've started taking authority against spirits of infirmity and commanding them to leave we've seen the results have actually gone up now you need discernment because not all sicknesses are directly related to a specific demonic spirit okay we know sickness is not from god but not all spirits are not, not all sicknesses are directly related to a demon so we also don't want to be the kind of christian who's looking for demons in doorknobs you know what i'm talking about okay um so that was quite key though and what i want to say is that some spirits gain a legal right through sin now we'll talk about the sin factor next week but i just want to say that okay so for example if i am in a situation where i've i've got some blood on my hand and then flies keep coming to my hand because of the blood all right what do i do do i just keep swatting the flies away or do i uh, wipe myself so i'm not bleeding anymore i do both don't i so it's the same uh, you cannot separate deliverance from dis- discipleship you can't so it's important for us to rebuke that spirit of infirmity but at the same time to be able to say to someone go and sin no more like what Jesus would say okay or your sins are forgiven uh, if it was because of sin that there was legal access that was given to the enemy to start messing the person around okay there are other times uh where it's a bit more complicated than that and we'll talk about that the separate occasion okay so some spirits gain a legal right through sin okay and it's important to then allow the person to repent but at the same time let's just remember that when Jesus ministered okay he was never stopped from healing someone because the person had some spirit he was able to cast it out and then encourage the person to live right from then on all right that's quite important um <clears throat> now some spirits are prevalent in specific regions okay they're territorial spirits and that's why you'll find that sometimes you don't struggle with certain health issues when you're in one region and sometimes when you are in another region you then struggle with that same thing now sometimes it could be you're allergic to something in this place and it's it's found there okay but it's not an issue elsewhere you know you hear people talk about oh you know in pretoria you know the the it's very dry you know i'm used to more humid weather etc or oh i'm in a city where it's very humid and i'm not used to it therefore i got this illness sometimes what's happening is it's very much natural right uh but other times it's actually territorial spirits in a particular region and that's why if you look at various regions you'll notice oh there's more of this disease in this area than in this other area and you can't quite explain it because the areas actually seem similar in terms of the the weather so that's something to watch out for okay other spirits are familiar spirits that target families this is why sometimes the same spirit that caused sickness in a family member and maybe the family member has now died okay they then start targeting another family member soon after that person has died okay and you know so how come this other family member is now getting something similar and then we assume it's just hereditary sickness 
yet uh, it's the same demon that's just moving around that family, sometimes because it has a legal right, it's been given legal access because of certain family practices, perhaps, or certain covenants that have been made in that particular family. Okay, in Mark 9, just to show you this, verses 17 to 27, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Now that word possessed, uh, just so you know, in the Greek, uh, the different words that are translated possessed are really words that range from demonized to severely demonized, okay? So it's a bit of a progression, okay? I just wanted to highlight that. Now, um, so he's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. So this is someone who's mute, he can't speak, but it's because of a particular demonic spirit. Right? Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus responds, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, spirits can see, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. And that's why sometimes when people are affected uh, by demonic spirits, when you come wanting to pray for them, they will have a particular episode, okay? Uh, sometimes when they come to a church service and there's powerful anointed worship, that's when they have an episode. I've seen that happen, right? Um, he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Sometimes this is just to intimidate you, to be like, eh, I don't know what's going on there. Jesus asked the boy's father, I love the way Jesus was just engaging with the father. How long has been, he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Let me tell you something. Very often when someone is severely demonized, the goal is to destroy that person. And that's why a lot of people who are severely demonized are also suicidal, okay? So, uh, you know, tries to throw him into the fire, try to throw him to fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes, for one who believes. Isn't Jesus amazing? This guy is coming up with ifs and Jesus is almost shocked by that. It's like, of course, of course, this is, this is what we do, okay? Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That's our posture, isn't it, all right? When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. This is so important. There's certain miracles, and I'll, sh I'll share this with you when we talk about methodology, because there's certain miracles that... Um, are easy, they happen more easily because there isn't a big crowd around where people are just faithless and are making all sorts of comments. That's why sometimes it's important to be careful who's actually there with you. And that's why you'll see when Peter raised someone from the dead, what did he do? He actually asked the other people to leave, right? Uh, and then he was with that individual. So that's important to understand. Now, what did Jesus do? It says, when he, saw, when he saw that there was a crowd running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. That's what we want to make sure happens. It comes out and never enters again. The spirit shrieked, 
convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. That was their level of unbelief, right? But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Okay, another scenario, Luke 13, 10 to 15. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She had been crippled by what? By a spirit. We don't know where that spirit was right now, but that spirit was the cause of her situation, right? And she had been like that for 18 years. So that becomes part of your identity. People just get used to you that, oh, she's the lady who's been crippled by a spirit, right? Um, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, you know what I find amazing about Jesus? This woman didn't even ask for healing. She didn't come and say, Lord, heal me. She didn't cry out to him, but he saw her. And I know he had compassion toward her. Okay? When he saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And there's some of you, I'm telling you right now, you've got sicknesses that are linked to a spirit of infirmity. And the Lord says to you right now, you are loosed. You are set free from your infirmity. I rebuke you, impure spirit. Leave in the name of Jesus. Leave and never enter that person again. Never enter that person again. Whatever caused that sickness, whatever spirit you are, leave. That person is loosed now and free in Jesus' mighty name. The girl goes on to say in verse 13, Then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and praised God. What I find amazing is that he deals with the spirit or the impact of the spirit because he says you're basically free from this infirmity. And then he lays hands and corrects what was incorrect. So sometimes there's authority that we exercise in terms of rebuking a spirit that has caused something, right? But because it's caused some uh, deformity or some illness or some sickness or disease and so on, we then still lay hands and speak healing, right? Uh, so then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. God always wants to restore us to a place of worship, okay? In Matthew 9 verses 32 to 33, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not walk, I could not talk, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Can you see that link again between deliverance, getting rid of the demon, and then the person being able to speak? The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Okay, so that was the that's the second uh, cause of sickness I wanted to highlight. The first was to do with lifestyle. Uh, issues and dietary issues. Uh, the second was to do with demonic spirits. And uh, when we talk about methodology, how we actually heal the sick, we will revisit that again in terms of uh, rebuking certain spirits. And then uh, the third category I want to look at today is hereditary illnesses. Hereditary illnesses. Often people have faith for hereditary diseases. That's unfortunately what tends to happen. They hear that a relative had it and then they expect it for themselves. Have you noticed that? And I believe that that's one of the reasons why way more people have 
certain illnesses that has been, have been passed down the family line, uh, not because they had to have those illnesses, but they calculate that, oh, this person has it and this person, oh, I'm sure I'm going to get it too. I'm not saying you mustn't have those routine checks and make sure you're fine. I'm not saying you mustn't do that, but don't be in fear of getting it because fear is one of those bridges that opens doors to uh, demonic activity. Now, um, we live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a fallen world and the reality is there's certain diseases that tend to be easily passed down to the next generation when, uh, when a parent carries that particular um, uh, disease. Okay, now we want to make sure we're passing on good stuff to the next generation. We want to make sure that we're passing on good stuff. And the enemy is having a field day because there's a lot of stuff that's being received by the next generation that they can actually be refusing. I want to encourage you, refuse those things. Don't just accept them. There are a lot of people who are very calculated around it, like, oh, this isn't the family. Oh, and yes, it warns us to be cautious about certain things, especially when you talk about certain addictions. But at the same time, do not be in fear of it. Some of you literally have to be loosed from that fear of uh, getting certain diseases because your dad had that disease or your mom had that disease. Uh, don't have faith for it. Remember, faith is fear in reverse, isn't it? Okay. Uh, or fear is faith in reverse. And a lot of people are in that space where they are full of fear. So this includes quite a number of things it includes heart disease that's quite a common one right that's uh that tends to be hereditary diabetes obesity uh even alcoholism um you know it's actually been found that uh and I'll, let me talk about that in a while but even alcoholism uh, lactose lactose intolerance etc some of these allergies that people people have now it's important to refuse this for yourself you see there are other diseases to do with genes that are also hereditary. Uh, for example, sickle cell uh, disease. I know of a family that has been uh, greatly affected by that, you know. Um, uh, but one of the guys, he's still alive, still going strong. And my, my encouragement to him is stay strong. This thing does not have to affect the rest of your life. Uh, hemophilia, Huntington's uh, disease. Uh, so we need to forgive those that have hurt us in our families. That's the first thing I want to say. Sometimes we can have bitter root judgments against certain family members and that actually becomes a connection we have with the very same sicknesses that they had, all right? Um, and we also need to reclaim our new bloodline in Christ Jesus, right? So instead of overemphasizing the bloodline of your family, it's important to start talking about the blood of Jesus because you are in Christ Jesus, Okay, uh, in Exodus 20, verses 4 to 5, it says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, this is what a lot of people don't understand. They look at that and they say, yeah, but I'm now in Christ Jesus, so this doesn't affect me. There's the law of sin and death, which is the default for the unsaved. It's the default for the unsaved. But we need to now apply the law of the spirit of life in Christ, okay, to overcome these types of situations. So Jesus didn't go up to people and then say, because this has been in your family line, I can't do anything about it. No. But... The reality is that there are certain sicknesses that are already there because of this 
uh, particular scripture that we are talking about, okay? I've seen it with certain ethnic groups, with certain tribes, with certain families, where the people are now Christian, but because their fathers and grandfathers practiced idolatry, right? And I'm not talking just about black African people here. I've seen it with Indian people who've become Christians, but end up with all sorts of sicknesses and illnesses. I remember with one particular family, God even gave me a dream where I was doing spiritual warfare and rebuking a certain spirit from a particular um, uh, Indian family that was now Christian, okay? These people were Christian now, but in their ancestry, they had been idolatry. And I was doing warfare, and it was the word from the Lord that, you know what, go and pray in terms of this. And I remember the one individual healed, healed of uh, an ailment that uh, this person had for, for years, all right? Um, with a lot of people of European descent, you see this in terms of involvement in Freemasonry. It's a well-known fact that where people have been involved in Freemasonry and have been involved in that type of idolatry and made certain covenants, okay, it affects generations afterwards in terms of some of the sicknesses and diseases that um, uh, people end up going through, that their descendants end up going through. So the, we're impacted by these things. Right, But just remember, Jesus was never prevented from healing due to the sin of people's ancestors. He came and he healed and he said, you know what, go and sin no more. Right, Your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus' mission is. And that's what our mission is when we pray for, for the sick, when we heal the sick. Okay, It's to say, renounce all those practices. Sometimes it's identificational um, prayers where get together and say, you know what, we're drawing a line in the spirit right now. We say this practice is going to stop in our families. We're renouncing it. We're now under the blood of Jesus, right? Um, children of alcoholics, I want to talk about this a little bit because a lot of people will resist this, okay? Uh, alcoholism is not just behavioral and it's not just environmental, okay? There's some people who, who have a uh, propensity towards it, okay, in terms of becoming alcoholics, right? Um, so part of it is genetic, right? And the other part is environmental. Children of alcoholics are not destined to be alcoholics too. So you can also refuse it. Recent research actually reports uh, that about 50% of the risk for alcoholism is genetically determined. That's what they say, right? Um, the environment accounts for the other half, the other 50%. So yes, there can be a genetic predisposition to substance abuse. In fact, uh, the APA, the American uh, Psychological Association, states that at least half of a person's susceptibility to a drug all right, or to um, alcohol addiction can be linked to genetic factors. But you can't blame the genetic factors. That's what I'm saying. Okay? So there's some people who have exactly the same environmental factors as someone else, but you notice this person becomes an alcoholic and this one doesn't. All right? So... These are things we are saying no to if it's in your fam family line. These are things you must be conscious of. And as a watchman say, I refuse this. It will not touch me and it will not touch my children. All right. Numbers 14 verses eight, verse, verse 18. It says, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. So that's the, that's the highlight here. That's the main point. God forgives us. Okay. He forgives us. Yet, it says, goes to say, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now I'm saying to you right now, you're in Christ Jesus, so you can experience freedom from, uh, from this. Okay? But the law of sin and death 
is such that that ends up being the default. And there are many people today who are in situations where they're not exercising their authority, the authority of the believer. They're not renouncing practices that have happened in their family lives. They've got all sorts of sicknesses and diseases coming upon them that are actually hereditary. And they're embracing them as this is part of life. I want you to know that there are better things concerning salvation, right? Our salvation speaks of better things and that you have a new bloodline and the things that you can actually refuse. Now, many people think that because they're a Christian, they automatically experience freedom. But I found that it's important to claim your freedom and to actually walk in it. I'm hoping that I'm understood there. In Exodus 12, verses 12 to 13, this is so powerful. This is the Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, not your performance, not your perfection, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So this is where we have to be careful of fear. Don't be in fear of it, but trust God for the blood of Jesus that has already dealt with these things. I think that's so powerful. So what I want to do now is I've got a crafted prayer I want to pray, and it's specifically in this area of hereditary diseases, hereditary diseases. And this covers quite a number, so it may be quite broad. And I'd like you to just reflect on those areas in your life or in your family where you've entertained this as your portion, that because my dad had it, because my grandfather had it, I'm likely to have it too. It's just one of those things. And I'm saying to you, the blood of Jesus speaks of better things, okay? It's more powerful. So reflect on those things and let's pray in agreement. Very powerful prayer. I want you to just really focus here and I want to make this as a declaration. So are you ready? Right now, we come against any and every disease that has come through the family bloodline in Jesus' name. I declare that this is not your portion. You have been washed by the blood of Jesus and you are in Christ Jesus. Anything that you have accepted as your portion, we fall out of agreement with it now in the name of Jesus. We resist that heart disease. We resist that diabetes. We resist ob obesity. We resist your uh, lactose intolerance. We resist any allergy that you have inherited. And we say it's not your portion. We resist every allergy in the bloodline and declare that it will pass over you. The plague will not touch you and your household because you have the blood of the lamb on your doorpost. We declare normal lives for those of you that have been hit with genetically related hereditary disease. You will have a normal life in Jesus' name. Your life will be long. Your life will be full of joy. The blood of Jesus in your life is greater than sickle cell disease in Jesus' name. Greater than hemophilia. Greater than Huntington's disease. Greater than all these diseases. 
Alzheimer's disease will not touch you, even if it has affected people in your family line. It will not touch you in Jesus' name. Uh, the posterior part of your brain will not shrink or atrophy in Jesus' mighty name. For any hereditary illnesses, we declare that what has impacted family members in the past will not touch you. We declare the wall of fire around you in Jesus' mighty name. You are free from family weaknesses and addictions. You are free from alcoholism in Jesus' mighty name. You will not be in denial about it, but you are free from it in Jesus' name. We come against any mental health condition that may be hereditary. We come against ADHD, it's not your portion. We come against autism, it's not your portion. We come against bipolar disorder, it's not your portion. We come against clinical depression, it's not your portion. We come against schizophrenia, it's not your portion. We declare that these are not your portion. I stand with you today and we release any bitter root judgments that we've made against people, both in our families and outside our families with these conditions. Thank you for your word, Lord, in the book of Psalms 103, verses 1 to 5, that states, Praise the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. We receive your benefits today, Lord, who forgives all our sins. Thank you that you've forgiven all my sins and heals all your diseases. He heals all your diseases. There's no exception. There's no exception. The blood of Jesus is too strong. The blood of Jesus is too strong. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I declare over you who are sick today that your youth is being renewed right now. Just like the eagles, your youth is being renewed. New strength coming. You are being quickened in your mortal body. This is your portion. This is your portion. This is your portion. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen and Amen. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Let's keep standing on these, on these promises. Let's keep pushing in the spirit. Uh, just remember to send through your testimonies to testimonies at goldchurch.co.za. Uh, we want to share these testimonies with other people to ignite faith. And just remember, you can send through your prayer requests to us. Prayer at goldchurch.co.za. Looking forward to seeing many of you. Please invite lots of people. Uh, we've got lots of space in the hall that we'll be using at, um, at uh, the Royal Elephant. We'll be using the Bondev Hall that's there. Um, great seating, seating capacity, invite lots of people, invite people who, uh, who are trusting God for their healing. Uh, if they can't be with us physically at that particular venue, that's fine. They can also watch these messages uh, online. I want to encourage those of you who've missed the foundation messages that I gave uh, a couple of weeks ago, please just catch up so that you get the whole series. Amen. God bless you. I also want to encourage you in your giving, in your giving. Please keep giving to the building project. We're still looking for land and we believe in God for land. And I want to encourage you to do so. Please continue being faithful in your tithes and in your offerings. The Bible is very clear and says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. That's the place where you are fed. That's the place where you are pastored and shepherded. And I want to encourage you to be faithful with your, with your tithes. Amen. God bless you.